The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hello. Hello. Hi, this is Gwendolyn. Hi, I am your host on this, our weekly radio show, The Visual Workplace. It is about letting the workplace speak. I'm happy to be back. (laughs) In each of our shows, we look at some aspect of that, of how to make the workplace speak, how to embed the intelligence of our operational system, our intelligence, into the living landscape of work through visual devices, how to install the language of our current level of operational understanding, even if we don't quite understand everything yet. When we make that level concrete and specific, and we do that through physical visual devices, visual mini systems, macro systems, we can literally see how we think. And we use that as a base as a feedback loop, and we can predict how that thinking will function because we've captured it. And why do we bother? We bother for the bottom line benefits in terms of improved safety, better quality, more aligned delivery time shrinking cost, and splendid cultural alignment, a spirited and engaged workforce on all levels, not just operators, not just maintenance techs, not just quality staff, but marketing and purchasing, the C-level as they call it, the corporate level, your executives, your managers, your plant managers, your supervisors, your VPs, your field staff. Visuality is a language. It is a language that we intentionally and systematically embed so that the workplace can speak, can provide us with the vital information we need to do our work and to do it with a minimum of struggle and a maximum of excellence. And when that happens, work happens seamlessly, we flow, and we're happy at our work. Really a major outcome, although it is hard to measure, is that we are simply happy, satisfied at our work we feel it is rewarding because we have made it so. Visuality is about designing and then redesigning and designing again the workplace so that it is information rich. Not all the information in the world, the information that we need so we can pull it to us. What do I need to know? Pull it to me in the form of a visual device. What do I need to share? Put that information, the answers to questions that I'm constantly asked into visual devices, embed them in the workplace 
so that people go to the device and not to me. And I'm not plagued by their interruptions and they're not plagued by their sense of ignorance. They feel as though they don't know. Let the workplace speak. And today we're going to be talking about let the machine speak in a moment. First, I want to welcome you and me back. I hope your holidays were really, really good. This is the first time we spoke since just before the holiday began. And uh, though the next is perhaps a little bit of an idle hope, (laughs) I hope it was also a restful holiday. As a very wise counselor once told me, for you, Gwendolyn, rest is a spiritual practice. (laughs) Translation, I need it. I need rest and I need it a lot. I didn't get much over the holiday. I got some, but not much. And the new year, like every year that comes around new, is also a year of hope. Uh, Hope for the planet, hope for the countries that populate it, hope for citizens and families everywhere, and for the companies that make our lives comfortable and exciting. Such a combination of tangible good and contribution and support for us. It's a really good um, collegial, collaborative relationship, us and the world around us. The visual workplace plays a big role in that. Its job is to make our jobs flow, to make a friend of information, and to embed the telling details of our informational lives into the living landscape of our work, into the workplace. Visuality brings coherency and balance into our homes and our work lives. And one could say beauty brings beauty, which is an indispensable human requirement, if you haven't noticed. Every day should have some beauty. Why not let the workplace be that thing of beauty that we see every day? It takes a struggle out of our life, struggle out of our day-to-day work. And I call that struggle motion. Visual thinkers call it motion. The truly remarkable, fully functioning visual workplace, the places around the world that do this, have made a science of motion because they know that motion leads us to finding the information deficits, those unanswered questions that rule the pre-visual workplace and make it a miserable place to work. Miserable, I tell you. (laughs) So, I think of visuality as a humanizing force in the world of work where high-tech rules and we get disconnected, literally out of touch with our, with our humanity. I'm not talking group therapy here. I'm talking about our ability to function with a good, strong connection to our internal resources and higher societal values, aligned lives. So, the new year brings us hope and we have lived to be another day. In the world, a world redefined through visuality, it's quite the wonderful possibility, isn't it? So before we get back to the visual machine, where we left off, I'm sure, a real cliffhanger on December the 18th, (laughs) I have a few announcements. My new book is out. It came out on January the 2nd or something, Smart Symbol Design Reloaded. Please check our website, visualworkplace.com. Please check Amazon. It's available on Kindle. We're going to run a big special on Kindle, I think, in February. We'll see. Anyway, Smart Simple Design Reloaded is about variety, effectiveness, and the cost of complexity. The difference between variety that is positive, pulled by the customer, and negative variety, internally triggered, caused by the complexity and complication inside our company. Internally triggered, 
by, for example, the grid of formal and informal and informal policies that govern the organization, the complications of a dysfunctional classification system, competing product engineering practices, competing time priority, sorry, competing team priorities. I better slow down. We want instead variety that's effective. And that's what I call the antidote to negative variety, variety effective. The variety effectiveness process, VEP. And my new book, Smart Simple Design Reloaded, describes these matters, accompanied by plenty of evidence of the havoc that negative variety can beget. Very bad. It's very bad. Smart Simple Design is also an implementation manual. My books all seem to be that. What's the problem? Why? What's the solution? And how do I put it in place? So please check it out. This book represents a good year and a half of slugging it out, trying to get it clear. There's a lot of data in this book, a lot of charts, 50, 60 charts, and they all kind of fit together. Uh, It's a piece of work. It is the step that companies take in order to need lean and visual less. Lean and visual are complexity organizers. They are the antidote or they are the band-aid if you want to be a real snob about it. I know that's a little bit of a radical view, but when I discovered this thing about 25 years ago, I said, holy cow. So let's see what else. Well, I'll be doing a training of trainers and work that makes sense in February on the East Coast. This is a four-day process. The group size is always limited to 14. Sometimes we squeeze 16 people in, but it's transformation. It's very particular. It's very close-handed. In other words, we work very closely with you, and we work to give you the skills and the insight, the kind of orientation you need to be able to use the webinar system which is 11 modules, and teach it so that learning happens and application happens and transformation happens. And that requires a particular orientation, and that's what that week is about. We train it. We give you lots and lots and lots of hands-on, and you walk away as a pretty darn good qualified trainer of this. And we we do this on-site with groups, or we do it in public settings so that uh, companies can send a couple of people and sometimes they'll just command the whole, one company will command the whole event. That's fine. And let's see. So let us know if you're interested. This training, we do training and trainers, training of trainers in all of my methodologies and I do them. I do them. This is always my work uh, until probably the day I die. I want to train the trainers of this work uh, because um, you know, I, I, I have a lot of experience. Yeah, <laughs> that's why, because I'm really good at this. So let's see, our new website is chugging along. We're working on the particulars of our membership levels. The podcasts are available on our site, and we're doing some work on reorganizing those. And we have 10 of the 11 Work That Makes Sense webinars available on demand. This is the new version. We've, the old version uh, was in place until January the 12th. We have two more to, um, we have one more to, to um, what do you call it, to load and make available. And each of these webinars of the new version, beautiful color. And I mean, just, 
you know, it's hard to uh, say great things about my own work because it sounds like bragging, but I have a very cool perspective on my work, uh, kind of a jaundiced view, if you know the term. And this work is just outstanding. It takes us about 100 hours to produce each of these one hour, one hour and 15 minute uh, modules of learning, but it's totally worth it. They're dazzling. They're dazzling. We just finished up addresses, and I tell you, it was so good. It's just so good. (laughs) Some 70 different kinds of addresses. All right. So, and then I wanted to let you know that mistake proofing will be uh, up and available on demand in March. This is an eight module webinar training course for engineers. It is really hot. This is mistake proofing that I have done in conjunction with my great friend Martin Hinckley, who's author of no, Make No Mistake. It's outcome based mistake proofing, and it's the best on the planet. I got so lucky. It's the best on the planet. So check us out at visualworkplace.com. Contact us. We'd love to hear from you for any reason. So we're going to slide into our first break. When we come back, we will pick up the visual machine and finish up the all-important lubricating the machine piece. I'll see you in a moment. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, Visual Edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Rivez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Hi, welcome. This is Gwendolyn, and welcome back to the second part of our show today at The Visual Workplace. I'm your host, 
I've been doing this work for about 30, I'm into my 33rd year. Some of you who are listening are not yet 33 years old, and I have been doing this work since before you were alive, oh my God, I've reached that part of my own age cycle to be able to actually say that out loud, yowzer. So uh, I, I also wanted to say that we are going to resume our visual leadership series. When I get back from England, we'll resume it on February the 5th. I will do my very best to stay constant uh, and show up every week live uh, both for your questions, they just come pouring in, and for uh, the consistency of building this discussion. There'll be a review of visual leadership on the executive level. We've done the house, the template of the operation systems improvement template, and we'll move on to the X-type matrix, and then on to um, metrics that drive, and eventually the war room. Uh, these are very, very important visual constructs, so please join us then. But let's today complete our mini-series on the visual machine and finish up the all-important uh, machine lubrication piece. By way of review, let me frame again what my approach is to the machine, to the visual machine, the machine that speaks. My pathway is through visual thinking. The way that when we work on machines that we convert the machine to visuality is through a systematic approach that relies heavily on four of the core principles, and there are eight of them, four of the core principles of visual thinking. Eye-driven, motion, information deficit, and something else that I call stakeholders. And I'll explain that in a moment. The eye-driven piece is truly the driver. That is because the machine, any machine, any piece of equipment, is a closed system. Please let me explain. A closed system that is also dynamic. If you're familiar with the field of system dynamics, this, these terms came from it. The machine generates its own data and refers that data back to itself. So it has this closed feedback loop a self-referential feedback loop. We're a closed system. We are a dynamic system. We humans, we're full of data. That data talks to itself. It functions inside and also it functions in relationship with the outside. It's purposeful. It's intent, intentional. We're a closed loop system. So is a machine. When you look to make the machine visual, to make it speak, you first have to ask, to whom is it speaking? To whom is the machine speaking? Because it's like us. How could you surface all the gazillion data bits that we as a human being represent and make sense out of it unless you had some filter, some orientation? How would you be able to make sense? And the filter is, Who's asking? Who is the I? Who wants to know? If I'm a human, then it's who wants to know what I am, who I need, what I intend, how I can contribute. If you're my mother, I have one answer. If you're my boss, I have another. If you're a boyfriend, another. A girlfriend, another. A stranger, another. 
Why? Because I am in and of myself a self-referring system where my internal information flow is governed by me on the inside and pulled from me by the outside, if you will, by the eye. This is not complicated. But yes, and we've spoken about this before, I want to encourage you, if you're truly interested in the machine and developing an informational relationship with you, with you, with it, you will have to frame the machine as something other than just a bunch of parts. You will have to see it, uh, I hesitate to use this word, but I'm going to, more holistically. That means just as a whole, as a system and not as its uh, separated parts. And you, this should be a familiar orientation for most of my listeners because it is popular, it's, and, and rightly so, it has become a current conversation in the world of health, how we approach a sick person, how we have to look at the whole organism in order to understand how the pieces work together, a toothache anymore is not just a toothache. <laughs> or a pain in my toe is not just my toe having pain. <laughs> it all means something. And we attempt to make um, a better diagnosis and therefore uh, approach better remedies or better, better solutions by looking at this wholly. So look at the, the machine in that way. Our first show on Visual Machine, I told you, you know, if you talk to maintenance guys and women, they have a relationship with these machines. They practically call them by their pet names. Not Suzanne, but Susie. Not, uh, you know, not uh, George, but Geo. They have these close relationships because they've come to know these systems of data called a machine very, very well. And there's a difference between them. And there's a certain enjoyment of that as well when we, I don't want to say humanize, but maybe personalize the machine. You can go far over the edge on this one, but you can also use it for your purposes in order to understand how to make the machine speak. Because when the machine speaks, you get a chance to know. And if you know, you can act. Okay? So, so I want to give you that as a kind of construct that we shift from understanding humans in this way, and this is, you know, in the last 20, 30 years, this is a change in perspective. We shift over to the machine, we see a closed loop, feedback system, self-referring. It gets even simpler. It's simpler with the machine than it is with humans. Who needs the data? Who needs to pull it out of the machine, out of that vast pool of possible data, and the answer to that who is the I. Now we're back to what do I need to know? What do I need to know that I don't know right now in order to do my work? In this case, an interface with the machine. And that is why we use the two driving questions to organize our approach to making the machine speak, to making it visual. So let, let's look at, this is a review, but I'm adding some things. <clears throat> that perhaps we haven't spoken about um, specifically in the last three shows. 
So pull your need to know from the machine, transform that information into a visual device, and now the information exists outside as an embedded information sharing element in the machine-human interface. The shorthand is the machine speaks. This is the genesis. This is the root of the process. So when you want to get the machine to speak, you first identify the I, and you have quite an array. I call them stakeholders. I'll name them in a moment. You choose one. This is a mistake that is made. There are eight of them. And if you choose a little of this, a little of that, oh, we need to have this device, we need to have that device, you will be stopped because you will run out of orientation, you will run out of process, you won't know how to proceed, and what you're basically doing is the vanilla job. You are just coming up with visual devices or remembering visual devices or copying visual devices, you're slapping them on the machine. But what you want to construct is a conversation. So for want of a better term, I call this array of eyes stakeholders, and I count eight, because each are linked, each is linked to a specific array of informational needs. We want to keep those separate and clear so we have clear, discrete, clean thinking devices that really cough up meaning so we can act on that. Okay, and the meaning is what's the motion of the stakeholder? So stakeholder one, uh, I'm just, first let me just name them and then I'll, give, uh, I'll go through them this way. Stakeholder one, the machine operator. Lots of questions. Don't let the skill level fool you. Don't begin with the skill level of your ace veteran of 27 years machine operator. You want new eyes. You do not want the machine centers to be run by tribal knowledge. And that's what will happen if you use your ace operator who knows everything by rote, by habit, deeply embedded in him or her. You need to surface that information. And you want all the questions for the new operator available in visual format. Otherwise, you have no flexibility. Otherwise, you have these master machinists. And if they're gone for on vacation, your production slows or you shift it over to other machines. You don't want that. And that machine operator doesn't want that either. Nobody wants to be that indispensable that it cripples you. So you want all levels, all levels of machine operator questions answered visually in a physical form through devices from the first approach, from the newcomer's approach. You build that awareness, you build the process. So first stakeholder, operator. What do I need to know? You know, we will get to what do I need to share, but first build the what do I need to know. The second is, second stakeholder is the maintenance technician. A very different set of needs to know than the operator. They have a different purpose. Look at the car. Perfect example of a visual machine. We counted the number of devices. This was about 10 years ago. 144 devices on my Honda. 
separated by stakeholders. One set for me, how to run the car. Another subset for me, how to keep it in, you know, approximate um, repair or maintained. And a completely other discrete set that I didn't even know existed until we looked for the maintenance staff, for the service department at my Honda dealer. Different. Get those answered. What does the maintenance technician need to know? And you want to, as much as possible, get the maintenance technician to uh, accompany you on this journey. In fact, when we're talking about doorways, this is doorway number seven, the visual machine. It is owned by maintenance. I just, the newsletter article in this week's newsletter, just coincidentally, we're on doorway seven and I'm presenting on the visual machine and you can read about it there. Get our newsletter. It's really nice. I write an article, pretty good article every week. I'm marching through the doorways because we started, I guess, 10 weeks ago. I'm on doorway number seven, maybe seven weeks ago. We're marching through that, and uh, we're also having this radio show. So both things are announced. We're having a, a great parade of machine visuality. Okay, we're going into our next break. I will be back when you get back. I will be here. (laughs) See you in a minute. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Welcome to the unique job search community of Lynn Radice Live. You do have the power to land the perfect job. If you are unemployed or underemployed or looking for your next career move, tune in to Lynn Radice Live. Get a job, no excuses. This is a first-of-its-kind job empowerment show. Lynn will identify the most critical needs in today's job market and show you how you can get a top position today. Get ready. Let's get hired. Lynn Radice Live airs live every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790 or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi there. Welcome back. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, 
And uh, you are now, we are now in the third segment of our show, and I'm going to kind of motor mouth it because I want to make sure to cover this so we can hit the loop points. Okay, as we must. So we're going through the stakeholders of the voices, the many voices or the many uh, questions that need to be answered from the machine, sets of questions based on who's the eye, who's the listener, who wants to know. So stakeholder one, the machine operator. Two is maintenance technician. Three is the quality tech. A very different set of needs to know, not just about defect rate, but the calibration process, the gauging, tooling, etc. Quality is going to work with the maintenance team that owns this doorway, doorway seven, but they will be very specific in their needs and what they want there in order to ensure quality and also to diagnose it. Stakeholder four, the material handler. Let us not forget about the Joe who is delivering the material, looking for the material, trying to pick it up. This is where the visual wear comes in very powerfully. It's a set of unanswered questions that are no less vital to him or her than to the maintenance galler guy. Well, it may be less vital to the corporation because when maintenance gets into a tangle, the consequences are very great to everything and when a material handler is having a hard time he or she just kind of moves on to something else it it may ruin her day but it doesn't ruin the bottom line it's a nip it's not a big collapse so the material handler stakeholder for legitimate needs stakeholder five is the planner the schedule scheduler approaching the machine with a discrete set, a discrete set of different questions that are so easy to visually answer, not answer by looking at the traveler, the move order, or the work order, but answer through a visual device. What are you running now? What are you running next and after that? And how long and why not? These are the questions for a planner scheduler. Vital. And they're little hits. They kind of make raids on the machine center. They come in, pick up their information, they go back to their computer, and they kind of work it all out. Now, I'm not saying I approve of that approach, but it's a need to know, and it's very real. And many of you who are schedulers, this is, your, this is the way you pick up real-time, valid, authentic, that you can count on information, even if it makes you unhappy. Stakeholder six, the machine center supervisor, a different set of organizational, I'm sorry, of informational needs. This is where the dashboard could come in, but for him or herself. Machine supervisor needs a different level of information about the machine, about its performance, its output, etc. And of course, the maintenance department, stakeholder seven, a much wider scope than the techs who work for it a different set of informational needs. The maintenance department must create systems of visual feedback. There, oh, I've seen so many maintenance departments where visuality could be a lifesaver, could reorganize that function entirely on the level of system. We're working with a couple of them now. It's a lot of work, but who cares? It's more work without it. And stakeholder number eight, the boss whether that's the ranking side executive or on the corporate level. Those eight stakeholders. That's at the heart of the process. What do I need to know? 
and pull that information out and so many of the informational needs of the need to share, the questions that come from others will be responded to. The machine is a unique opportunity to build a complete visual framework, a complete visual system on the machine because it is contained, because it is discrete. How great is that? So let's go on to our, we only have a few, I think we, we will, in fact, accomplish our goals here in completing the lubrication process. We talked in our first show, which was uh, just before the holiday, about the importance of lubrication, that lubrication is the lifeblood of the machine. We want to make that process visual. And much of what I'm about to cover right now has to do with how the lubrication happens. The part about the visual tools for effective lubrication was in the previous show. By way of reminder, I talked about lube charts, how important it is for you to organize a color-coded system of lubrication and put it in a chart form, hang it on the machine. Process lubrication and in-machine lubrication. The importance of lube discs and tags feeds right into it. Lube cards, the lube cabinet, your hazmat cabinet. We ran a special example of uh, last month of just the best hazmat cabinet I've ever seen. All principles of visuality, just dazzling. The lube diagram, those are the six. Lube charts, lube discs and tabs, tags, Three, lube carts. Four, lube cabinet. Five, the hazmat room. I forgot to mention that a moment ago. And six, the lube diagram. Work, but you know what? It's more work without it. Honestly, move towards a system, please. And and we talked about in lubrication how 70 to 80% of all equipment failures are due to problems in lubrication. We will have... The work that I've been uh, sharing with you in on-demand form probably by July. Maybe I'll do it sooner if there's, we've gotten a few calls on it. Maybe I can uh, move some of the priorities around. But you need to educate. This is what's going to be done first, the lube uh, webinar. Because your operators need to know about the six big mistakes in lubrication. And the webinar, the on-demand webinar, will be a very good way for them to, um, to see it. You sign up for the webinar. You pay a, a fee. You've got it for a year. Use it as much as you like. Train 10 million people in it. We don't care. And we think the fee is very affordable. That is our aim. Here are the six big mistakes in lubrication. Number one, not enough lubrication, not often enough. Number two, no lubrication at all. God help us. Mistake three, too much lubrication or too often. Almost the same thing. Mistake four, the wrong lubricant. Mistake five, an improper procedure, how you lube. And mistake six, the introduction of contaminants. So mistakes one and two are very close. Mistake one is not enough or not often enough. And mistake two is no lubrication at all. So if the lubricant is too low, frictional heat from parts rubbing against each other will cause components to wear. 
much more rapidly. And if it continues, if the lubrication continues at too low, you know what happens. It happened to my Volkswagen, the first car I ever owned. The engine seized up because the idiot light didn't work and I didn't know anything about oil. My brother picked me up on the highway, New Jersey Turnpike. I said, what happened, Gary? He said, sis, you didn't put any oil in it. I said, what's oil? I put gas in it. I'm sorry, but I was a Latin teacher at the time. I didn't know. And then it happened again. (laughs) My name was Mud. So that's a big problem. You look at your diagram. Now, I know of a case where the diagram skipped on a massive machine. Two tiny loop points. It took three years, and one day the machine just stopped. Everything burnt up. It ceased because of those two loop points. This is one of those things for want of a horseshoe nail, the kingdom was lost. Mistake number three. And so you, pardon me, and so you put in your SOP and you make sure that people kinetically check it off that the lubricant happened. That the lubricant happened. This is an easy visual device. Yes, no, move the marker over. You have to set this up in advance. Lubricant happened, you can see it at a glance. Lubricant didn't happen, you can see it at a glance on the display. On the display. But it has to be active. It can't be just a reminder. It has to be something changes as a result of the right action. So you move the little button across, you make the check mark. I know there are all kinds of problems with checking something off that didn't really happen or didn't happen right. It is a problem, so make your visual device more powerful. Use the four power levels. Seek to control it and limit it. All right, that's a different show. Mistake number three, too much lubrication or too often. If lubricants get too full, the lube itself heats up and expands. And you'll know that happens when this excess lube oozes onto the floor, causing a lot of slipping accidents or when the excess lube oozes and drips onto the belts, causing the V-belts to slip, speed to slow down, and as a result, you've got product defects. Your operators need to know about this. I mean, maybe you have a great training, little training program, one-point lessons for your operators. We happen to like ours. Excess lube causes non-vented seals to blow The increased volume has to go somewhere. It blows the seals. And you look at this goop on the moving parts, and you just know that somehow someone thought that more was better. If there's a problem of not enough, let's give them more. We're going to talk about that now. So when you think about this, in your educational process, you have to explain to your operators about closed and open lubrication systems because one needs to be drained and refilled regularly and the other needs to be refilled only. Okay? A closed system is when the lubricant is simply circulated 
inside the machine, like in a gearbox. And the unit usually has two holes. One hole is for draining and one hole is for filling. And how many times have I seen neither one of these visually ID'd? Neither one. So somebody puts lubricant in a drain hole because what do they know? An open system is when the lubricant is consumed as the machine runs. There is no drain hole. There's only a fill hole. Okay? The machine uses it up. And so it needs to be refilled in a timely manner. One of the things that will help you will be a sight glass. And if you don't have this on your machine, though most machines do, have your maintenance crew build a sight glass. You can tell if it's an open or closed system in that way. You'll find only one plug and a sight glass in a, in a closed system. Okay? And by the way, behind that closed, that sight glass, put a little zebra card. I show an example of this in this week's newsletter. You just place a little zebra card because sometimes these lubricants are not visible. They're kind of clear as, as water. And you can't really see anything is there, but the zebra lines will wiggle if there's uh, fluid in front of it. Let's go into our final break and we'll finish up when I come back. And when you come back, I'll see you in a minute. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait. They just go for it. Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. 
472-5790 or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi there. Hi, it's Gwen. And this is Gwendolyn Galsworth, your host, in our final section of our show today. And we're finishing up on lubricants. And we were just talking about too much or too often and how important it is to know whether or not you have an open or closed system. And I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I am not a machine expert. I am an expert at embedding vital information into the living landscape of work, including the machine. But I want, and and I'm mentioning these scary components because many of you listen. We have about 70,000 people who listen every month and you're listening and if you do not have a basic program on on lubrication, machine lubrication, and if you don't offer some basic education, you're in big trouble. You have been very lucky up to now, but it's going to come and it's going to bite you. And so your folks need to know, you know, if it is an open system and you cannot tell the difference between if there are two plugs and you can't tell the difference, you don't know which is the oil level and which is the drain plug, don't do anything. Call us. Don't do anything because you've got a 50% chance of bringing us to our knees. We apologize that we haven't educated you completely to know what to do besides nothing and we apologize that we're not yet visual but we're getting there and in the meantime don't do anything call us and then make the ID visual for each plug eliminate the guesswork (laughs) it's such an easy answer isn't it it's going to take time but so what that's all we have here is time so the wrong lubricant The wrong lubricant will prevent the right lubricant from reaching the needed location and it may simply counteract or neutralize the other. Two incompatible oils rarely give the desired lubricating effect. It's like accidentally putting, excuse me, Bengay into your nasal spray. You know, it's a bad chemical reaction, bad placement. And I told you a story a couple of shows ago, in the Midwest, about 15 years ago, the air compressor went, went down because of the bad lubricant. Indefinable cost, it cost $43,000. And in replacement cost, $150,000, close to $200,000 just because the, the, the wrong lubricant was used. This is a Soulaire on a great big Banbury. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Don't do that. Visually identify your lubricants. This is plain work. This has to do with your process lube charts that I talked about as one of the six tools that you use for effective lubrication. And then you make a corollary. You connect it up with the placement. This is strictly the visual wear. Border address and if possible an ID label for everything that casts a shadow. 5SN steroids. That is your way out. In proper procedure, would you please capture the proper procedures in your SOP because it has tremendous negative impact when you have an improper procedure. For example, if you're working with cylinders on a hydraulic system and you don't know that the system has to be in the closed position before you lubricate, 
If the, cil- if the cylinders are in an open position, you'll get a false reading that there's low oil. And so we fill it up, and when the machine starts again, the oil will spill all over the floor. That's an improper procedure to fill it when the system is open. The cylinders are in an open position. Don't do that. And the final thing we're going to talk about contaminants very, very quickly. Contaminants eroding the life of all moving parts. And this is simply information. Dirt gravitates to grease. We talked about the two molecules in our first show. We talked about the free radical that is looking for a mate. And it will gravitate towards the dirt. Once caught in the grease, that dirt will be carried deep into the heart of the machine where it will score the moving parts, reduce the fit and function. If it's a shaft surface, it will abrade. And when that happens, the shaft loosens its fit, loses its fit and its function, and it won't be long before it needs to be replaced. And by the way, one shaft arm costs $7,000 plus eight man hours to replace. And plus, let's add in some of the lost production. Contaminants, you can see them. I'm looking right now at a roller that has literally a coating of hair on it. And this stuff is rolling steel. There's no hair on that steel. It's a contaminant. And so you have a standard operating procedure of wiping down your equipment every day so that the oil doesn't collect the dirt. And if you see grease oozing out of a component, you wipe it off because it shouldn't ought to be there. Over-greasing gets us back to that mistake. You wipe off the Zerk cap. You know those little cur- caps? You all know that. Little Zerk cap, little hat on the opening of an oil point fitting. You wipe that off before you lubricate. You wipe it off before you lubricate. And if there is no Zerk cap by gum, you find one. <laughs> and you color that, code them, please, to your lubrication standard, the one that you created as step one when you did the lube chart. Please do that. And when you're done greasing the lube point, you put the cap back on in order to prevent dust and dirt and grime and shavings and bugs from going into that little hole. That grease, maybe it tastes good to a bug. Lubrication is designed to carry, to get carried into the heart of the machine. And it will carry with it anything, in it or on it. So, wipe the lube points off. Before you add anything to it, please. And those are the six big mistakes. And with it, we complete our little tiny mini-series on visual machine. Mistake number one, not enough lubrication, not often enough. Mistake number two, no lubrication at all. Mistake number three, too much lubrication or too often. Mistake number four, wrong lubricant. Mistake number five, improper procedure. Mistake number six, introducing contaminants. Not meaning to, but doing it anyway. You know, ignorance is our biggest enemy. Ignorance from the Greek that means ignosis, not knowing. We simply don't know. But once we do know and we continue to do it, oh, then we're being naughty. So I want to thank you very much for joining me today. I will be in Scotland next week and the week after. I'll find some great encores. 
uh, for you to listen to. I'm going to be doing the visual machine at the Glen Fittage uh, factory if there's still in Scotland <laughs> if there's still time for you to join us just jump on our website the information is there we want you to be there for so many reasons and when I get back on February 5th I will begin uh, visual leadership for the executive function the x-type matrix I am so glad you tuned in today I love talking with you I love our moments together <laughs> and I'll talk to you again soon this is Gwendolyn Galsworth I'm signing off We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening.